We are in week two of a series called, Who Do You Stand For? Somebody say, who? Not what, but who? What you stand for is very important. But I believe, honestly, in my opinion, that who you stand for might be more important and more revealing of your character and who you are than talking about what you stand for. Why? What you stand for is an ideal. It's an idea. It's, it's a philosophy. But who you stand for has a name and a story. It's a person. It's a people group, right? And so last week, we talked a lot about uh, actually, modern-day slavery. We talked about different slavery uh, that's happened over the course of human history, and we talked about lots of different things. Who do you stand for? We stand for the oppressed, and we talked about what that word means biblically, so if you missed last week, go back and check it out. It's who do you stand for? Uh, stand for the oppressed was the title of last week's, but this week is stand for Orphans, come on, I'm excited about this. And there's a reason why I'm excited about it is because God is excited about this. God has a heart for orphans. He has a heart for, for kids uh, that are abandoned or that cannot take care of themselves, that are in the system. Let me tell you, God has a destiny and a plan for every single child that needs a home. Can I get an amen in the house of God today? I believe that fully. And some of you uh, maybe have been adopted, some of you, have maybe adopted children. Some of you have been foster parents or you've been a volunteer or maybe you work in the system in some way, shape, or form. So I believe that, or if, if anything, you know somebody that's been adopted or you know somebody that, that has been affected by the foster care system, whether positively or negatively. And so I think this is a really, really important thing for us to talk about. And I'm a parent. I have two kids. Me and Lindsay, she's over. Uh, she's our interim kids director right now, so she's having a blast over there with our rad kids right now. But we have two children. Oakland is four. Tegan is six months old right now. And uh, yeah, we just got back from Denver. We flew. It was her first flight, a first flight as a family of four. And they did great. I was so proud. There was a kid on the other aisle that was just screaming. And I was like, ha ha, not my child. Your kid stinks. Our kid's awesome. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. No. No, 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 listen, I get it, I get it. As a parent, like, you, you just, your heart goes out to those people, right? Because you get it, you know. Like, that could very easily be your kid as well, doing the same thing. Uh, but no, they did great. It was a lot of fun. I went with the grandparents. So me and Lindsay uh, got a date night, which is a rare occasion when you have uh, an infant, when you have a small child. But we did. We went to go have some pizza uh, late night in downtown Denver. We went all kinds of places. And what am I trying to say is that being a parent is, is great, right? It really is. It's so much fun. Uh, but it's also really hard sometimes, right? Can I get an amen, okay? Uh, it's one of the most rewarding experiences of your life. Could also be one of the most stressful experiences of your life at the same time. It's beautiful, it's burdensome, you love it, and sometimes you hate it. Uh, and it's just kind of all of these emotions wrapped up into one. But ultimately, I think there's really nothing like it, right? There really isn't anything like it. And, and there's so many uh, people that are in here today, maybe you are a parent, um, maybe you're not a parent, maybe you wanted kids and you're not able to have kids, or maybe you did foster or adopt or whatever it might be. Maybe you're like, hey, I'm good. We don't even really want kids. Hey, that's cool. But there's a lot of parents that are in this place today. And, and I think that you would understand that when you become a parent, there's something in you that just changes, right? And if it doesn't change, then you're probably gonna have some problems because when you become a parent, you just simply have to change. You can't be all about yourself anymore, 
And you, it, being a parent requires you to be extremely, ridiculously unselfish because your life is no longer about just you. It's not just about you and your wife or you and your husband anymore, but now you have these little turds running around all over the place, right? And you're like, what am I supposed to do with you guys? Help, right? Like, somebody help me. And it's like, you're just responsible and you gotta figure it out, right? But really, children are a gift from God. Like, we make fun sometimes. But the Bible talks a lot about kids and how important they are to God. They're really, really important. In fact, Jesus talks a lot about children and he welcomed them into his presence on a regular basis. I think the disciples might have been the ones that were, were describing the little kids as uh, these little brats running around trying to get to the rabbi, right? And, and there was a few times where, and one in particular, where they're running up to Jesus and they're probably climbing all over him, you know, like you know how it is. And, and they say, hey, you know, you gotta get out of here, kids. Come on, like, this is Jesus. Like, do you know who this is right now? Like, this is a very important person. And Jesus rebukes his disciples. He says, hey, let the little children come. Let them come to me. Don't, don't, don't withhold them from me. Listen, you actually have to become like these little children to enter the kingdom of God. And he actually rebukes his disciples in a pretty heavy way. So Jesus welcomed children in his ministry all the time. And point number one, if you wanna take notes today, on standing for orphans, the first point I have for you is that God is a father to the fatherless. He is a father to the fatherless. And let me prove that to you. Deuteronomy 10, 18 says, he defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow. He loves the foreigner, giving him food and clothing. He defends the cause of the fatherless. So he is fighting on behalf of orphans, he is fighting on behalf of these kids that don't have anybody fighting for them. And how awful and how terrible would it be in this world, and we know that there's so many children that don't have anybody advocating for them. They don't have anybody that's standing for them. They don't have anybody that's fighting for them and their needs and what they need in their life to succeed and to achieve the destiny that God has for them. In Psalm 68, 5, and puts it very plainly, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. It says it plain and simple. He is a father to the fatherless. And God has many names, right? We know God in so many different ways. You could go back uh, to the Hebrew names. You could go to lots of different things. Like we know Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha. Like we could go all the way that, you know, kind of crazy world back there. Or we could also just say, hey, we know that God is my provider. He's my healer. He's my comforter. He's all these things, the Lion of Judah. Jesus is the Lamb of God, right? Like just all the Alpha and Omega, beginning and end. So many great names that God has and that Jesus has. But the one name that's used most often to describe God is Father. Did you know that? The one name that's des that describes God and is used more than any other name in the Bible to describe God is Father. And Jesus, when his disciples were asking, hey, how should we pray? Like, like you know how to pray. Obviously, you're the son of God, okay? So how are we supposed to pray to God? And he starts off with this iconic phrase that we would all know. He says, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name, right? And you know the rest of it. But what does he start with? He says, our father. Not just my father, not just Jesus saying, hey, he's my father, but he is your father as well. And he's a father to the fatherless. He uses the language of family. 
That's the language that, that Jesus says that we're supposed to use with God is that we are one big family. He is a father to the fatherless. And we all know what a father is supposed to be like, right? I mean, maybe you have a good relationship with your father here on earth. Maybe you have a bad relationship with your father. But I think we all know in general what a good father looks like, right? I mean, a good father is loving. A good father is caring. A good father is an encourager. A good father loves his kids. He's a provider. He helps his family and helps his kids grow up in the things of God. He helps his kids grow up and achieve everything that they can achieve. Like, I want my son, Oakland, and I want my daughter, Tegan, to be able to stand on my shoulders that my ceiling would become their floor. That is what a good father looks like. And maybe you had that experience in your life and maybe you didn't. I'm blessed to have a great father uh, who went to Denver and watched my kids for me a little bit. Come on, pops. I love you, all right? Uh, he has a great father. And, but I know not everybody has that same experience. I'm blessed to have a great relationship with my dad, and, but, but where many of our earthly fathers fail in these different areas and they have failed in these things, God says, I will be all of that and more for you. I will be all of those things and more. Better than your dad could have ever done it, I will do it a million times better. Infinitesimally amount more than your dad, I will do so much better. That's who God is. That's the God that we serve. He is a father to the fatherless. And if you wanna know, dads in this place today, you wanna know how to be a good father, all you gotta do is look to scripture to figure it out. All you gotta do is look at how God actually interacts with Jesus. It's such an interesting dynamic and relationship that they have, but look at the relationship between God the Father and God the Son, the things that he says about him. Even when Jesus gets baptized, it says the heavens opened up and God said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Come on, I feel like so many of us want to hear that from our dads, right? Like we just wanna make our dads happy, right? I just want my dad to be pleased with me. And I want you to know today that God is pleased with you in this place today. Listen, if you would give your life to him, if you would seek after, him you're not always going to be perfect but if you are looking your if you're keeping your eyes fixed on God and you're seeking after him you're never going to be perfect but God I'm striving after you I want to know you more listen God is pleased with you you might be struggling with different sins different problems different things but listen God the Father is going to guide you and lead you by the power of his Holy Spirit God says I am your father and I will be all of these things and more for you God loves children he just does you see it all through scripture, especially in the New Testament. And here's so many things where Jesus is trying to protect children and God is protecting children. And so we should also care about children because God has a heart for children. Amen. Point number two, and I think it goes right after this, is that the church is God's solution to the orphan crisis. I don't know if you know this, but there is a crisis of children that do not have homes, that do not have parents. And the church, it was always supposed to be the answer. There's many different great organizations. There's lots of people and, and, and nonprofits and organizations, volunteer programs and things that do a lot, a lot of good for orphans and in the foster care system in that area. But the church of Jesus Christ should be the primary uh, responsibility to take care of orphans. It is our job as Christians and as the church, to take care of orphans and widows. Did you know that? The church is God's solution. And there's a pastor in Houston, 
who was starting to read his Bible a little bit more, and, and he was looking at this problem that he saw in his county. He looked at this problem in his region, and he said, you know what? I want our church to be the solution to the problem. I don't wanna just turn a blind eye to the orphan crisis that we have here in our county. I wanna do something about it. And he started preaching about the orphan crisis, and then there was one Sunday that he preached about it in particular, and he asked if his church would stand for orphans, and that's how Stand Sunday started. I think we have a video for you guys. Check this out. There are 30,000 children that are in the foster care system today in the state of Texas. There are half a million children that are in the U.S. that's in the foster care system. And I said, who would stand with me today for these kids? That day, Nedra Wade, she stood and raised her hand and she said, Pastor, I will. And then another person stood and said, I will. And another stood and said, I will. And another stood and said, I will. Well, after the process started in our church and family after family, within three months, 39 children were placed in families in our church. Jesus, Jesus. What if there was more families waiting for children than children waiting for families? So we called Child Protective Services. And they said, if that happens in any county, that will be the first ever. Stand Sunday was started by Bishop Aaron Blake in that small church in Brownwood, Texas. And churches all across America today and churches all across the world are celebrating Orphan Sunday, which is now aligned with Stand Sunday. And, and I'm so excited that we're going to be a part of this movement. Every single year, we're going to celebrate and, and partner with Stand Sunday to remind us that religion is not just about coming to church. Being a Christian is not just about being here on a Sunday morning and getting filled up and feeling good about yourself and then going back out into the world and living like the world. What being a Christian is about is standing up for the oppressed, standing up for the poor, standing up for the widow, and certainly standing up for orphans. That's what we are about. That's what the church of Jesus Christ should be all about. It says it right here in James 127. It's one of my favorite verses of all time. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows and their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Religion that is pure is to visit orphans and widows, to help these people that need our help. There's so many laws, even in the Old Testament, that talk about what we're supposed to do to help orphans in their time of need. And in the New Testament, it continues that right here in the book of James, you see that. And there's so many ways that children become 
orphans. And maybe some of you might have this story as your own. A lot of times women get pregnant and was early on in their life, maybe 14, 15, 16, 17 years old, and and they don't want to deal with this, and they say, there's no way I can do this. And so they give the child up for adoption, and maybe the kid goes into the system for a long time. Men and women that get hooked on drugs and alcohol and tears the family apart from the inside out. Many times women might be taken advantage of, and they don't want to have that child. It's just a difficult psychological thing. They say, hey, I need to give this child up for adoption, and maybe they go into the system. There's just terrible situations. Men leave their families from stress at work, and it's just difficult. And then man leaves, a lot of times it's very difficult for the mom to pick up the slack, and, and, and you're thinking about all the hard times that you've been through, and there's many stories I know of when a man leaves a family, the mom ends up on alcohol and drugs, and then that, the child gets taken away because of the stress of trying to be a single mom. Men struggle with addiction, and, and maybe it's an affair that pulls the family apart. I don't know what it might be. Maybe uh, uh, parents are in a, a car accident, and, and they die at a young age, and they're they leave three or four kids and now they're all, what are we gonna do? And hopefully there's a family member, but what if there's not? God says that true religion is caring for these kids because who pays the price for all of these things? Whether it's their fault or whether the parents die, I don't know what it is, but who pays the price for all of these things? The kids. The kids pay the price for the sins of the parents and the kids did absolutely nothing wrong to deserve this or, or if the parents pass away, the kids didn't do anything wrong and now you end up in the system and many times kids that are in foster care and kids that go through the system end up in jail, they end up on the street, they end up feeling lonely like nobody cares about them, no one's fighting for them, nobody's advocating for them and yet God says that he is the defender of the orphans. He is the defender of the fatherless. And he calls us to do the same thing. True religion is caring for those that are in need, but most of us, to most of us, the orphan crisis is just a distant problem. It's something that we don't really ever consider because it doesn't affect us. And I understand that, but I wanna put it a little bit closer to home for you. Just like Bishop Aaron Blake did with his church. He said, at any given moment, there's 30,000 children in foster care in the state of Texas. And there's a stat here that I wanna bring it even closer to home for you. There's 71 children, as of the last time they did the count, 71 children waiting for adoption in Hayes County. Right here in Hayes County, 71. And here's another stat for you. There's 90 churches, probably closer to 100 churches in Hayes County now. What if every single church adopted one child? Now there would be more families waiting to adopt a child than kids waiting for families. If every church would step up and one family in every church said, hey, I'll stand for this kid. I'll advocate for this kid. I'll bring this child in as my own. Then there would be no more orphans waiting for adoption in our county. 100 churches, 71 children. What if, what if it happened? And that church took 39 children into their church within just a few months. And I love that it said, to this day, the vision was accomplished, I think it was 2010, 2012, somewhere uh, just 10 years after they started Stand Sunday, there has never been children waiting to be adopted in that county because of the movement that one small church 
started. Could that be us? Could that be some of you here today that would say, hey, I'm going to stand for somebody. I'm gonna stand for an orphan, for a child that is in need. And here's the deal. These kids are not just stats or numbers. I think that you get caught up in the stats. There's 71 kids, there's you know, 30,000 kids, all this stuff, and it gets caught up in the numbers. And that's why I think it becomes so distant. But they're not just stats or numbers. Like, they have names. They have a story. They've been through some things and unimaginable things sometimes, and they need somebody to stand up for them. Because some of the great men and women in the Bible were adopted. You might not know this, but Esther was adopted, right? There's a whole book about her, right? And Esther was adopted. Esther 2.7, Mordecai had a cousin named Hadassah, whom he had brought up because she had neither father nor mother. This young woman, who was also known as Esther, had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Mordecai had taken her as his own daughter when her father and mother died. Esther was adopted. Now, you might know the story of Esther where she ends up going and, and goes to the king. She actually becomes the queen and, and ends up going to him in a very brave act and says, hey, there's persecution going on with my people and, and I really need us to do something about this. But she was so brave because if you approach the king in the wrong way or you approach the king when you were not called for, even as the queen, you could be killed for that. And yet Esther was brave and it's probably because of Mordecai and in the way that he brought her up as his own daughter, even though she was his cousin. And she ended up saving countless lives of the Jewish people through her bravery. You never know who an adopted child could become. You don't know. Another example from the Bible is Moses. A lot of people, maybe you just kind of skip over this for some reason, but we don't think about it this way. Moses was adopted. He was adopted. Uh, and it says uh, in Acts 7.21, when he was exposed, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and brought him up as her own son. So if you know the story, uh, his mom, a Hebrew woman, had to, they were all in Egypt at the time. And we talked about that last week actually a little bit. So they're in Egypt at the time and she has to put him in this basket and send him off in the river because Pharaoh was killing all of the young boys at the time. And so she didn't want him to die, so she sends him off. And then Pharaoh's daughter finds this baby in this basket in the river and pulls him out and decides to adopt him as her own son. And this is how every adoption should be, right? Like it's not that this child is less than maybe your other kids that you have. No, this child is equal and is exactly the same as if it was your own son, as if it was your own daughter, your own flesh and blood, as if you had birthed this child yourself. That's how you should treat these kids. She took him as her own son. And the cool thing about this story is that he becomes royalty immediately, immediately. He now has the rights and the privileges of the family that he was adopted into. And Moses, you know the story, he went on to save all of the Israelites. He said, let my people go, Pharaoh. All the plagues happen. They cross the Red Sea and all of Pharaoh's army gets crushed under the waves behind them. And then they go and they find the promised land of Moses leads the charge and becomes an amazing leader who wrote the first five books of the Bible that you and I read. You never know who an adopted child will become. The best part I think about today and, and what I have to present to you, if you don't listen to anything else today, I want you to listen to this right here, is that when you give your life to God, you are now adopted into the family of God, amen? Ephesians 1, five through six, he predestined us to, for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ 
in accordance with his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one that he loves. What is it saying? It's saying when you give your life to God and when you make him the king of your life, you are now adopted into the family of God. What does that mean? Just like Moses, you now have the rights and the privileges and the authority of the family that you come from, amen? You are a son and daughter of the most high God. Many times we beat ourselves up and we don't know who we are. We don't know our identity. When you become a Christian, when you say, God, I'm giving my life to you, are you still gonna struggle with things? Are you still gonna have some hard times? Absolutely, but you gotta remember who you are, that God is your father, you are his son, and you are his daughter, and sometimes I think we just need to act like it. We get so down on ourselves, we beat ourselves up like we're awful and we're terrible and this, that, and the other. And God is saying, no, 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 I love you. You are like the crown jewel of my creation. I know everything about you. I know the desires of your heart. I know the things you struggle with. And listen, I just want you to come to me. How many fathers and mothers, you know this feeling when your kids maybe start to get a little bit older, they start dealing with things and you're like, I wish they would just come and talk to me about it. I wish they would just know who they are and know how amazing they are and, and how great they are. And they're getting so down on themselves. They're having so many struggles. I just want them to come talk to me so that I can speak life over them and infuse some joy and, and remind them of who they are. And that's what God wants to do with you. When you're adopted into the family, you become a part of the family and have the rights and authority of that family. You're no longer alone. And you never know who an adopted child could become, right? So what about you? You're adopted into the kingdom of God and so many of you think, well, man, I don't know if God could use me. I've, I've done a lot of messed up stuff. I've had a, a big past. There's no way that God could use me. God can use anybody to do whatever he wants, amen? God used Moses, God used Esther. Both of them were adopted. And maybe you've been adopted and maybe you struggled with that at a time or two in your life or maybe you have a child that's adopted. I would encourage you, go to the Bible, find those people that have been adopted and show them the story and say, hey, listen, you know, you're just like Moses, man. Like Moses was adopted. Look at all the great stuff he did. You're just like Esther, sweetheart. Look at all the amazing things that she did because you never know what God could do with an adopted child. And when you stand for orphans, this is my last point. I want you to write this down. When you stand for orphans, you stand for Jesus. When you stand for orphans, you are standing for Jesus. Matthew 25, 40 says, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Whatever you did for the least of these Whatever you did for the orphans, the kids that can't defend themselves, the kids that need help, the, the least of these in our culture, right? They, they might be strong, they might be resilient many times because they have to learn how to be, right? Sometimes they get hard even because they just have to learn how to deal with things at a very young age. And they're strong, but at the end of the day, they still need somebody to fight for them. They need somebody to advocate for them. And God's saying, whatever you do for the least of these, you are doing for me. So what if there were more families waiting to adopt than there were kids that needed adoption? Could that be possible here in Hayes County? I think so. And I think all it takes is a few families, maybe from every church, that would step up and say, hey, you know what? I feel like God has put this on my heart and I feel like this has been something that I've, I've been feeling for a while, but it just seems so hard seems so difficult, 
I don't know if I could foster and, and, and maybe have kids for a while and then have them ripped out from underneath me. I don't know if I could take that pain and take that stress. Listen, if it was easy, everybody would do it. But listen, God calls us to take care of these kids and maybe he's putting it on your heart. And today, maybe you and your spouse have been talking about this and maybe trying to think if this is something that you wanna do in the future, I don't know. But I would just encourage you, pray again. Ask again. Maybe you're somebody that's never thought about adopting or fostering or anything like that, and you've just never thought about it. Pray for the first time. You never know what kind of burden God might put on your heart for a child. You don't know what that child could become. You don't know. Maybe you're the answer to their prayer that they've been praying late at night when they're sitting in their bunk bed surrounded by many other kids that don't have a home and don't have a family barely have food and clothing and, and some of the places these kids stay is just awful. You know how amazing it would be to have a loving family and they're praying to God at night and they're saying, God, I just want a family that loves me, that cares for me. I just want somebody that would stand up for me. Maybe God's calling you to stand up for a child today. What if the church could become the answer to the orphan crisis like God intended us so I want you to pray today. We're gonna to pray for a few different things. I want you, first off, everybody can pray this prayer is that kids would find homes, loving Christian homes, that they can be raised in the ways of God, train up a child in the way they should go. When they're old, they will not depart from it, right? We need Christian, good, solid families to step up and adopt and foster children whether it's for a season in fostering or adopting long-term. Everybody, I want all of us to pray for that. But then the next thing I want everybody to pray for as well is say, God, is it me? Am I supposed to do this? Is this something you want for me and in our family? Maybe you pray with your spouse today and ask that question. Maybe talk about it when you get home or throughout this week, think about it. Is this me? And, and you know, at the end of the day, not everybody's called to foster. Not everybody will be called to adopt, but everybody can do something to make a difference in the life of a child. Everybody is called to do something. Why? Because we see that in scripture. All of us, the church of Jesus, is called to make a difference in the life of children that are in need. Maybe you could volunteer. Yeah, there's a lot of great places. I know there's one that I know a few people that have volunteered at, Austin Angels. It started right up here in Buda. Maybe you could volunteer to be a mentor for a child that's in foster care to help foster families. It's really not even just about the children, but man, foster families need support, right? We have a few foster families uh, that actually ended up adopting, uh, one that's really close to us. They have two beautiful children now. And I saw the process of what they went through from the very beginning to the very end. And now these two kids are, are theirs. They have their name, everything. And it was just crazy, the stuff that they have to go through. Maybe you can babysit for them, right? I, me and Lindsay, we wanted to babysit so many times. But then they told us, they said, hey, actually, you can't because there's all these processes you have to go through and all these things that you got to do. And it's just honestly sometimes more difficult than it is beneficial and all that. And I was like, man, do y'all never have a night off ever? And they said, no, haven't had a date night in forever. Haven't ever been, you know, just with us. That's hard. That's difficult. They need our support. The families that say yes and the families that stand for orphans, they need your support. Maybe you're not called to foster or adopt, but you could at least support a family that's doing it, right? Maybe you can give 
to an organization. There's a few really great organizations and, and two of them that we're gonna introduce today that are gonna be a part of our miracle offering on December 4th. The first one is the Christian Alliance for Orphans. Christian Alliance for Orphans is a great organization. Uh, they're national and international. They, they are the ones that spearhead Stand Sunday and Orphan Sunday as well. And Bishop Aaron Blake is a part of that team. And the next one is called Family First. It's the foster care and orphan care initiative of the Assemblies of God. And we are going to support them as well. And Bishop Aaron Blake is actually on their board, which is really cool. He's a part of both of these organizations. And, and we want to pour into these organizations because they're pouring into children and helping families that are in need. Not just uh, after they get into the system, but they're also doing preventative things. Saying, hey, listen, we see that there's a problem here. And we want to provide counseling to parents and families that need it so that their kids don't get taken away from them. And so the cycle doesn't start with them preventative measures, as well as helping kids find great Christian homes. These are two organizations that we're going to partner with, and I would encourage you to consider coming back on December 4th for the miracle offering. We're not giving today for this, but come back and give to A21, Christian Alliance for Orphans, as well as Family First to help these children that are in need. What I want us to do right now is to pray we're gonna have a song, it's called For the One. It's one of my favorite songs. It's all about living our lives for the one. That God thinks about the one. He cares about the one. And as you're listening to this song, you don't even have to stand, you could just sit right where you're at. I just want you to let the words kind of wash over you and, and allow God to speak to you in this moment. Maybe you take this time during this song to pray with your spouse or Maybe you can stand and worship or get on your knees and ask God, is it me? What, do I, what can I do to help make a difference in the life of one of these children that are in need? Come on, let's sing and let's pray together. Let me be filled with kindness and compassion for the one.
Even in just a smile, they would feel the Father's love. So let all my life tell of who you are and the wonder of your never-ending love. Let all my life tell of who you are, that you're wonderful and such a good father. Let's stand up today for these kids. Let's stand. You are wonderful and such a good Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Come on. So help me to love with open arms like you do. A love that erases all the lines and sees the truth. For that when they look in my eyes, they would see. God, when people look into our eyes, what are they seeing? Are they just seeing us or are they seeing you? God, I pray and I hope that every person in here today would be so filled with your Holy Spirit, would be so filled with the love of God, with the loving Father that has loved us and cared for us and sent his Son to die for us. We would be so filled with that joy and that hope and that love that when children look into our eyes, they see not just us, but they see you, God. And that every smile that we give to somebody in need, every hand that we stretch out, every step that we take for somebody that's in need, that God, that people would feel your love through every smile, every step, and every hand that's outstretched. Lord, help us to not be so focused on ourselves that we would turn our eyes away from the need of children around us. They're in such great need, Lord. We know that through your word that you said that true religion is to take care of these kids. And so, Lord, I ask that right now that it would just be one family, one family in this place today that you would put it on their heart to foster or adopt. I don't know who it is, but if we could just have one child, Lord, this would all be worth it today. One child, Lord, because you stand up for the one. You care for the one. The same way you care for me, that you care for all these people here today, you care about these children. So give us one, God, one child today. Put it on somebody's heart. So I want to take a moment and give you the opportunity with every head bowed, every eye closed to say I'm going to stand up 
for children that are in need in foster care and whatever that looks like. Maybe it's fostering, maybe it is adopting, maybe it's volunteering or babysitting or giving or whatever that might be. If that's you and you say, hey, I'm gonna stand up, I'm gonna play my part, I'm gonna take my puzzle piece in this massive thousand piece puzzle that is helping this these children and I'm gonna take my one piece and I'm gonna do something. If that's you and you really feel the Lord's calling you to do something today, whatever that might be, just as a sign of saying, hey, yes, Lord, I will do this, would you just raise your hand and look up at me? I see you here, I see you here, I see you here. Come on, people all over, come on, I see you. I see you guys right here. Man, I see so many people. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, you can put your hands down. God hears you, he sees you right now. And I just encourage you, don't let today go by without researching or doing something, find, find a way to get involved. Maybe there's somebody here today that you need to give your life to Jesus. You say, you know what, maybe I didn't have a great relationship with my parents, or maybe uh, you were in the foster care system, maybe you've been adopted, or you know somebody that's been in the system, and or maybe that doesn't apply to you, but you've just been far away from God, and you need to know that God is a father that loves you, that cares for you so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, to die on the cross for your sins and for mine. And maybe somebody you would say, Pastor, I just need to get right with God today. That's me. I just need to give my life to him, maybe for the first time. Or maybe I need to get right with him. I've given my life to him before, but I've gone away. And you know that you've gone away from God. And you want to give your life to Jesus today. Would you just raise your hand and look up at me real fast if that's you? One, two, three. Anybody in this place that needs to get right with God today and make him the king and Lord of your life. Amen, amen, amen. Jesus, we thank you right now that you're in this place and that you care for each and every one of us. And Lord, I, I just wanna seal this right now that we are gonna be a church that is not about ourselves but that, and that, that turns a blind eye to the needs in our community, the 71 kids, maybe even more, that need a home. Lord, I pray that you would help each and every one of us to find our piece of the puzzle, see what we can do to help these children. And Lord, I ask that you would be pleased with our church, that you would be pleased with us because we don't want a fake or dull or dead religion, but the religion that you accept as pure is one that takes care of those that are in need. So Jesus, we seal this today and we thank you that as we stand for orphans and we stand in solidarity today, that Lord, you're doing something in this place to change the life of a child somewhere here in our community. In Jesus' name, can all God's people say amen. Come on, give God praise today. Hey, thank you so much for being with us today. So glad to uh, have our first Stand Sunday. We'll be doing it again next year. And I believe that by next year, we'll have seen a few placements in this church and we'll have stories and videos to share with you about families that have fostered and adopted because of what happened here today. God bless you. We'll see you next week.